Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, this is 76. And I'm recording the intros for the podcast again this week because Stu and Chris couldn't be bothered, um, frankly. So our guest this week is Dean Chalkley. Uh, I'm not familiar, so you might be aware that the sound's a bit funny. And that's because I'm outside his house watching him come and go. Just just next to some leaves there. Um, what I've seen through the window already, watching him come and go, um, I can kind of gather that his first years were spent on a farm in Essex and I believe his parents were labourers um, and then at seven they moved to Southend-on-Sea and he went to Fairfax High School um, for boys in Westcliff-on-Sea, interestingly. Um, just looking at him come out of his kitchen now and go into his lounge area, um, which kind of tells me that around the 80s, the time of the mod revival, um, he describes himself as having been a hardened mod totally into scooters, dressing flamboyantly in cravats and so on. Um, very interesting. What I'm going to do, I'm going to stay watching him come and go um, outside his house without him seeing me and while you listen to the podcast and I'll get back to you um, at the end of part one, okay? So enjoy this part. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present Hardcore Listing, the podcast. Hello, welcome to Hardcore Listing. Hello, and we are only the second time we've recorded here. Yeah, first time was with uh, Slam Duckworth. Get Cape Wear, Cape yeah. Fly, lad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we are back in the pink toothbrush, um, my, my second home. And I think hopefully it'll be recalled fondly by our guest this evening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who's, who's not been here for quite a while. But um, I guess this evening is um, photographer Dean Chalkley. Hello. How Hello, mate. Doing? Hello, everyone out there. Hello. <laughs> We're sitting here. It's two, two, three of us. It's, um, it's, it's weird, isn't it, being in a club, like, yeah. empty? Especially this one, because there's so many memories of just it being an absolute riot in here. So yeah. when there's just the three of us and the yeah. the, the, the not-so-subtle smell of a snake bite and black it, on the I carpet. Was, I was going to say, when I walked in, it was like, you know, when you walk into a club in the daytime, yeah. it's, like, it's a bit, isn't it? Yeah. But, and then there's just the slight undercurrent, the smell, the, not the smell, the sound of yeah. the air conditioning. Yeah. And the harsh lights of reality. Yeah. It's, uh, but... Yeah, it is weird when you see people's faces when they walk in here and the lights are on because they do kind of have that. Oh, yeah. it's really dirty. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what's nice though, you know, you, um, 
so the dance floor has been freshly sanded down. Yes. And it is a, a kind of shade of pinky purple, isn't it? Yeah. Which is the snake bite, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's been yeah. a lot of that. There's, yeah. a, there's, there's, there's a kind of delicacy, almost like a fine cocktail of that. There's been, yeah. been <laughs> borrowed <laughs> by the owners, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? So it's often deposited as well definitely consumed. yeah we've, we've, we've had a shadow over that that's, that's got so many memories that, that dance floor just just for me and for, for so many people yeah. but yeah it's a great great place mate well when we initially started speaking about this theme, mm. um normally I, I, I sort of say things like um, was there any other top fives you considered before you settled on the one you did Mm. Um, well, you've just settled on all the ones you wanted. To do. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing: I'm not, you know, like, I'm not like the kind of um, like, oh, my favourite thing is this. Yeah. Because to be honest with you, for me, I'm just, I kind of just roll through it all. Yeah. Although I'll be honest with you, I'm a compulsive list maker as well. Oh really? Like literally, I'll get up. Sometimes I'll have a pad or or like phone or whatever, yeah. and I'll just be getting up in the middle of the night writing stuff down. Sometimes even just automatically writing it, yeah. like kind of Darren Brown thing, you know, like you're closing your eyes <laughs> and you just like automatically write. When you wake up in the morning, it is a bit like a, a spider's crawled over it yeah. or something. But but I'm always because I've got a very bad memory, and I feel like I have to write stuff down otherwise it does vapor. And I can only remember three things. <laughs> oh, what, when it comes to four, any given time, yeah. If I remember, if, if 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 I'm in a sh- and often. It does happen in the bathroom, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. And you're either sitting there on the toilet or you're sitting there in the shower yeah. or standing up in the shower, whatever yeah. you want to do. You're not um, that old, mate. You can't be sitting <laughs> down in the shower. I wouldn't, mind, why, why, why. <laughs> I wouldn't mind, shower, yeah. I wouldn't mind one of those. That'd be quite good, really, you know sitting what, down in right? the shower. Thing. Every time I see them, <laughs> my, my instant thing is not like, oh, I don't want to get old. My instant thing is, that must be really nice. You know, we just kind of plot up in the shower. I think if you want to make the most of it, have it now. Well, yeah. I think... That's I, what the, I think. The, the, like, the by the time you're older, you won't be seeing it as a luxury. Surely the benefits of the shower is it's a quicker bath, right? Yeah, yeah. Is it yeah. time-saving? And it's, yeah, yeah. And um, water-saving, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. if you can sit down in the shower, yeah. is it going to be a quicker alternative? As, as Winston Churchill said, why stand when you can sit? And uh, I'm going to now uh, sell my own <laughs> brand of uh, shower shower seat. <laughs> shower seats. That's going to be the line. Um, Dean, definitely. I mean, that, that's kind of why we started. The, the, the We didn't know what podcast to settle on. And we realised mm. that we quite, we're quite a fan of list making and stuff like that. Um, so it's, it's a lot of fun for us. And, and, and the, the top five you've picked, which we haven't announced yet. Yeah. I really liked it because I'm surprised. No one's really come at it from this angle. And when I read your five and what you'd email to it's so cool because you really get an oversight on sort of who you are and that's cool because sometimes pe- people go very specific and you can get a flavor of someone's lifestyle and your mm. one's like quite <laughs> far <Fake>. reaching <laughs> yeah it's cool no it's really good and how you wrote wrote it as well you could see the your your interest do you know what i mean and that that, that came across even in email so i've been looking forward to this so shall we sh- shall we say shall we say what the top five is do you want to announce it well you see the, and we should give a backstory so i've actually i've printed these out because i've got such a bad memory i can't even remember <laughs> i should point out you're the first person to ever done that i know not not to get to give them to us is yeah. very professional I'm impressed. i know yeah, well yeah, the thing yeah. is you've got a page missing Right, okay. okay. So you only got to three. The exci- the exci- <laughs> <laughs> we won't know. We'll be flying by then. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Who's going to announce it? You, mate. You, oh, mate. Yeah, you, oh, go, you go for it. You go for it, don't you? Oh, well. Okay. So the first thing is, so what I've put down is making stuff like, you know, photography, film. Mm. But that that means anything, really. That so your overall, sorry, overall. Yeah, your overall top five is... No, 
overall top five. No, oh, there is no. Is what I like. Yeah, top yeah. five things you like. Yeah. Top five things I like. I've yeah. given the first point away there. I thought yeah. We, yeah, that's cool. That's fine. Yeah. That's absolutely fine because yeah. I just think that. Yeah, the, the fact it is top five things. Top five things. A friend yeah. was asking me, "What's Dean?" I was like, "Well, it's just top five." things. I said to Pip, "I went." He went, "What's Dean doing?" I said, um, "Top five <laughs> things he likes." He went, "That's the best one." It is. <laughs> like, Honestly, yeah. like people go, like people drill it down, and we've always we've always given a lot of praise to people who go super specific. Top mm. five thugged out hip hop songs that make you cr- that are actually quite sensitive. Or, yeah. mm. But mm. top five things in general. Why isn't that? Why isn't that everyone's Why didn't we number one list? That? Yeah, that should have just been the thing that we yeah. kicked this whole thing off. We've with. done like now, bloody. By the time this comes out, it's gonna be like episode eighty. Yeah, and we're like, why the fuck have we never thought of that? <laughs> so it's a good shout, Dean. Basically. So are they in order, mate? Or no, not really. You know, as I say, there is no, there is no favourite yeah. or whatever. But, but I kind of just thought, you know, just write them down. Just whatever kind of flows in, yep. really. Let's you know, do sure. it. Let's it's do it. Open, it's an open arm evangelical embrace on a kind of a, a day where we're all sitting here in the printer. <laughs> I'm loving that. I like it. I like so, it. Um, so the first one was. So I did interrupt you then to try and. Just introduce it as a whole, as, oh, yeah. as, as top yeah. five things I like. So your first one here is making stuff. Yeah, making stuff. Yeah. Okay. So well, that and uh, the reason I chose that is because so I do photography is what I do as you know, and that it extends past that. So it's more like you know, it can be film, but it can be making installation things, or it can be like nowadays it's it's really expansive what we do, isn't it? You know, like everyone yeah. we're sitting here now create this is creating stuff now mm. this is a sonic experience for a lot of people but for us sure. it's actually even you know we've got an extra dimension into that as yeah. well and so it is really interesting to to think about what we make and that is a thrill to me and that is what motivates me and you know much to the detriment of or, you know to my bank manager or whatever's kind of be going what the hell are you thinking about you should do this that, and the other or whatever you know for me, I'm motivated by just going through life and doing things that are interesting and being able to engage with that in whatever way. And sometimes, um, you know, with photography is, is something that I came to actually moderately late. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't born with a camera in my hand mm-hmm. or anything like that. And so I kind of got into it and then I really got into it and I realised more How about How did that it. come about, then? Yeah, so it was... Um, I wanted to be a tailor to start off with. Well, I wanted to be a fashion designer, but I went yeah. to a school that did had wasn't set up for that at all. You Where know, was I, that? I went to Fairfax. Okay. And so you got to remember, so Fairfax High School for Boys was really a place that there was no... Um, we didn't do uh, like A-levels or anything. You know, the, the as far as we could get up was potentially doing O-levels, but there wasn't really even any... Sc- sort of schooling for that mm-hmm. and so CSEs were the, the, the top sure. thing you could mm. get which at that time made me kind of angry in a way because it was like well a CSE sure. is like a grade th- you know CO level or whatever and so it's kind of set in a almost like a ceiling uh, that you you have to then sort of fight to get through really I suppose but I wouldn't have had it in any other way because I actually really loved going to that school and, and all of the like characters that were there yeah. and, and stuff and you know, I still do see people from school. Like last night, I saw some people from the school that I went to. They were in a couple of years above me. But the point is that, it, you know, it does sort of uh, form a bond, but it gives you a perspective. Yeah. And that kind of ethic that it bred, I think, um, enabled me to not take no for an answer. Sure. And, and so... 
uh, yeah, so I, so when I I was got I got into the mod scene and and all that there and you know the, the going out and stuff like that. And so what year was this? That would have been I think we were the class of '84, which funny enough there was a film called Class of '84 with the punks. Yeah, yeah we the weren't American punks, film, but, yeah. but it was mm. that. Yeah, but in, and remember in so it was in South End or Westcliff, you know, yeah. Westcliff. But um, so was it a big? Sort of thing that this, this sort of it was the second wave of mods, really, right? Yeah, but it was even a little bit after because remember, so I started at that school in 1979. It was so actually, does that? Yeah, so it was 79, 80 when I would have started there, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure we left in '84, but anyway, who knows? You have to do the maths. Yeah, on that. yeah it would right. have been, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and um, and so. 79 was a mod revival mm. period, but obviously I was 11 then, so mm. I was a bit bit young, but I saw, I was aware of what was going on, yeah. and then I did manage to see a sort of pirate copy of Quadrophenia somewhere along the line, and but also got hold of one of those books, which was um, a Richard Barnes uh, mods book, right. and that, combined with the film, Quadrophenia, actually really crystallised things, and I think, because you had something, the mods book, you had something in, uh, your hand that uh, you know you could actually refer to yep. like a template yeah, yeah I was going to say yeah. a template or a manual yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 and you could go oh you know I like what it is wearing da, 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 da. that sort of stuff oh I should also say I'm really sketchy on details okay. so anything I say <laughs> could be an absolute lie and don't drill down into the <coughs> detail because it might not be Richard Vines very <laughs> prepared for, for that Dean with you're with famous for being guest I'm, work, I'm famous for making massive massive <laughs> we, assumptions we've yeah. done top five youth, youth cultures in the week me mm. and you didn't yeah, we yeah sure did and uh and uh, and it's, it's it's a strong look a well dressed mod, isn't it? Yeah, and and it, and it was yeah. So what we're saying is like it was very partisan the whole uh, setup of youth at that time, and it's different now, you know, actually. And but there it was really people who got into stuff then really got into stuff and they become very passionate about the music obviously music was a, a, a fundamental point of it mm. uh, a, a kind of foundation of it but it wasn't even necessarily the music it was what that represented and then that became a signature and then you know through that you know you kind of magnetized other people to you I think and it became a sort of collective individualism so you were gathered and you know, sometimes you're on your own, walking down the street, dressed a particular way, mm. and someone comes around a corner who's not dressed like that, yeah. not into that sort of stuff, and it's going to be an interesting situation. Mm. Inverted commas, you know what I mean? So, um, and it can, it certainly, you know, I got chased quite a few times, punched in the face down and set up an ice cream for no reason. Yeah. You know, it's like, but all those sort of things, you know, it's because it was a sort of boiling, um, you know, you're all chucked into a pot and it's all boiling mm. up like that. Um, what else was going on in '84? Was was there still the kind of the, the kind of oil skinhead culture was that about then? Yeah, um, yeah, and also casuals and stuff like course, that. You know, that, that was course, all coming up. Yeah. So, so that was really um, obviously pre-acid house, and that is a yeah. really crucial point. That um, so when that all started to come in, and I mean for, for me, so I, I got into the the mod thing, and there was lots of clubs around here that were doing that sort of music and also psychedelic music as mm -hmm. well as a clock, you know, stuff. Sorry. Cool. Yeah. No. And so, and so, um, but then as time sort of progressed, different things came in like jazz, you know, so as you're getting older, remember there's no internet at that time. So you're having to sort of learn, you know, you might be looking in the, the, 
the back pages of the NME or you're, you're, or there's a mod fanzine, for example, yeah. and you're, you're seeing stuff or you're speaking to people and they're telling you stuff. It might not necessarily be the truth. So you remember the, the 79 revival and that period is based on a, a kind of little bit of hearsay. So right. it wasn't the same as the 60s. It was, a, it was an interpretation of the 60s. And so some of the stuff was a bit off not not there at all really you know and and so and in in time sometimes that period is looked back on with a little bit of um like well you know that was the mod revival the original, thing that's not, yeah. that wasn't the original yeah. one you know that's you know you, you should have been looking back towards sort of late 50s early 60s jazz scene in soho for mm. example um but everything has its place of course, yeah for you know, sure and and everything fuels everything else and so i think through that it got people into all sorts of different scenes different yeah. music and it allows for permutations if, yeah. if you don't know what the exact facts were there's probably experimentation there that might have led into yeah. other things and other interests yeah. and that and that is really to, to me it's fascinating to think that if you sat down for an afternoon now and research stuff online you could get some pretty definitive you could almost sort of be an expert on a situation but what you you couldn't do you can't still have the experience of living Definitely. through that but that's not to diminish that i mean it's a massive massively brilliant resource having that internet there to to delve into so for, if you want to buy a pair of winkle picker shoes you can get i mean literally i would i would say like a minute or two minutes you sure. will get a pair yeah whereas for me when first time i had heard about winkle picker shoes i was like oh and then I was like, oh, they sell them in Carnaby Street. Yeah. Oh, how do I even get there? I don't even yeah. know. Oh, I get on the train. Okay, I'll go up to London. And then, yeah. you know, and so I, and then I came back with a, a box. And my mother were like, where have you been then? I was like, oh, London. <laughs> got some shoes. Like, There's something what? in the journey for that, though, and making the effort for it as yeah. well, isn't it? And you, the reward and the satisfaction mm. you feel like you've gone out your way to do that, to be part of that. Mm. That style, that's pretty cool. It's not poo-pooing and all the greatness and the ama no, am 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 no, no. amazing things that you can get off the internet now. Definitely. But there is a, that gives it an added value. Actually, <clears throat> I watched one of your videos, New Faces, the short um, mm. on your moving images, and I thought that was really good. And you was interviewing all the kids in the yeah. scene. Yeah. And they were talking about, you know, <clears throat> how they... The, the, the journey they go in to dress and look how that they, they specifically want to look. And yeah. There's a reward to that in being part of that yeah. culture. Well, we... That film in particular is it's a, it's a, a strange one because it's not a documentary, it's like a document. Yeah. And it's not um, meant to be necessarily, uh, it's not like a promo. So you're not meant to necessarily even be engaged into it as a like, right, you know, it's going to be da 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 and then we're going to do this. Sure. What is it? It's actually quite long and it enables people to talk whilst you're watching something that is almost hypnotic. Yeah, you're you're watching, and then you're listening to what they're saying, and the people in in the film are actually probably the first sort of generation of post-internet mods in that way, and so and they are reflecting on what how they feel and how almost like um, in contrast they are to what they see around them and their slightly different value mm -hmm. set of that you know they place a lot of value in clothes and records and. Um, that brings them together as a sort of unit, really. Um, you know, I made that a, a few years ago, and consequently, all those people have, you know, gone their own slightly individual ways at this point now as well. And and that's why I have to say, if you ever, and this is like for everyone out there, man, it's like if you ever think about doing something, you have to do it now. Mm. If it's a if it's a, if you feel it is a good idea and you're contemplating doing it, 
You have to do it sure. because everything will always change, it's and some, sometimes dramatically. Yeah. So, like people die, yeah. you know, and things like that. And it's like, wow, if you if you don't do it, if you think, oh yeah, in like a, a few years, or, or, I'll, I'll do that sometime. And that's the difference, you know. Easy to talk about it, and actually, you, but you have to go and do it. So act now, act now if you feel it, you know. Is that something you, so we, we, we I want to get back to when you, you know, when you took on photography, you're saying, um, you know, it was, once you were getting into your fashion and whatnot, but just what you said about act now, is that something that you've always taken in with regards to your ethic to work and the sort yeah. of your opportunities? Yeah, it is. And, and it's also a risk as well. Yeah. So, you know, you don't necessarily, you know, you're not going to choose the easy path because if it, if it's all about money, then... Just like, a job in a bank. Just, just turn off right now yeah. <laughs> because it's like it's not about money and the money that you get what will happen is you'll really put that into other stuff that you want to do and so it's um a cycle but what your the currency is your out your creative like uh output or something it's it's what you do and i mean i had a meeting on um uh on friday friday morning and um I can't say too much about it because I haven't actually announced it yet, but it's going to be an exhibition and it's going to feature um, a kind of uh, sort of genre of music, I suppose. And I met up with uh, the girl that's curating it yeah. and I took down, because it's all stuff that I shot on film. So mm -hmm. I gathered together all the negatives that I shot of this one particular uh, artist and I took them down there and she was like, oh my God, you should do an exhibition of this so cool. person. Right. And like, the thing is, this is one, I, I, I really, really agree with you, but there's that, but then there's so much more as well. And there really is. And it, it becomes overwhelming sometimes mm. because if you are creating and prolifically doing stuff um, and you're looking to the future as well, it is a bit like you're a kind of ship going forward and in your wake is all this turbulence. It's very hard to harness the power and the energy. Yeah. That's the most hard thing in actual fact. You know, for, for me, it's like really hard to convert what goes behind because you're wanting to go forward yeah. and you haven't got a huge organisation behind you. Mm. You know, you're, you're you and you're kind of fighting forward but you've got a big parachute behind you you know yeah. you can't pull it along Whoa, come on come on come on you know that sort of thing and so but you know may, maybe one day like you know when I get really old and hang up me you know camera or whatever then I can go ah right let's let's thoroughly go through stuff but there's so much stuff there that could be you know look, look yeah. you know, in different directions but you know we always want to do new stuff as well and then you know, that's not to say that I don't kind of uh get it into um, exhibitions and things like that because mm. I, I do you know yeah, yeah. but um, like um, but I also I also really like to work with people as well I'm not a kind yeah. of I'm not a kind of shrouded person I'm an open person I guess being a photographer that is part of the deal isn't it because like say if you're sitting somewhat if you produce if you're a certain music producer you could literally ha ha literally do it for your bedroom now talking about technology earlier, you can literally whip out your, your garage band or your logic or reason and just bang out a, a tune. Whereas yeah. with photography, it's really a two, at least a two-way process, I imagine. Well, you, unless you're a still life photographer, mm. which, oh, true. Yeah. which, you know, uh, you could you could do that. And that's why certain photography like, attracts different personalities as well. Okay, getcha. And that's not to say exclusively, but a lot of people who are into still life are kind of sure. quieter people and yeah. people more into 
you know, photographing people, you could say more gregarious people, yeah. I mm -hmm. suppose. Um, but, you know, also a lot, there's, there's certain photographers out there that are real, you know, bastards as well. <laughs> Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. not people people at all. They're yeah, horrible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? But for, I think it's great to work with people and, and really you know do stuff that is like a team effort yeah. like it's the notion of film like you're in a way the director and you you know when, when you look when you're on a film set for example you're if you're a director it's like the captain of the ship going back to the ships again you know if you're a captain you're not putting sort of coal in the sure. you know but you still need someone to do that properly yeah. as well and you want to get that all going on as well so you know at times you are very much like directing that scene that yeah that whole environment you're getting t -t -t -t, right this da -da 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 -da, this going you know so so you are working with people but also on a creative like top line creative level it is great i mean i there's a uh, a good friend of mine harris elliott and we uh, collaborated on a um a project called return of the rude boy and yeah that was a that literally started out as harris and, and, and me sort of seeing something that we acknowledged on the street we just saw something happening we talked about it and then decided to do something about it there and then and we originally we were thinking oh you know maybe it'll be a thing we're just going to do it for ourselves because we yeah. feel this has to be do you know yeah. documented and represented properly because it, it it feels like something's going on and then the whole project grew and grew and grew and we got to a point where we thought maybe we should do an exhibition you know there was no master plan to start off with but and and we then approached somerset house with a physical book we made a, wow. a book you know, to, of what we had had so far and where we wanted to go with it, and thinking about it, and um, and they really loved it, and they were, they asked if we wanted to present it there, but in six months' time, and was like, okay, but if you say six months' time, that might sound like a long time, but really what that means is, you know, for three of those months, you're going to have to be promoting it, mm -hmm. and so that means presenting an exhibition on a global scale because Somerset, Somerset, Somerset House is, House is, is no is, joke is big yeah. and people from the world will yeah. see that and so yeah. and if it's shit then you the look at it knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah, world yeah. knows the world knows yeah and so um, but you know that, that project was a very significant um, project some people look at it and they think of it is you know oh is it a, um, a fashion exhibition or what is it you know? but mm. it's, it's not these people are all wearing their own clothes they're presenting themselves as they are sharp as hell very <laughs> sharp man and it's like but you know and so what we did is we had a um i mean to put it into context return the rude boy it's a sort of 21st century rude boy of which the heritage extends way back to you know kingston jamaica mm -hmm. but it what with the migration of you know culture to the uk yeah. um you know, we're all very familiar with the Windrush story, and and but the the brilliant kind of um, flavors and sound and dress, and it it so it became a kind of British sort of story as well. And of you know, and is the uh, in the mod clubs, for example, you know, this sort of um, sort of white kids that were going down there were seeing these other these other people I'm like oh wow what they're dressing well and so there was a crossover a cross pollination of culture Definitely. which was so positive you know yeah. really and um and crucial and but it's actually not just limited to a, a sartorial um kind of representation it's an attitude as well that transcends that and so through the decades you'll see like for example jimmy cliff you know 
is a rude boy, but he's not like Bob Marley was in 64, yeah. mm. who was a rude boy, but looked radically different. Bob Marley actually dressed in a suit, short mm -hmm. hair, mm -hmm. you know, before his Rastafarian uh, days. Um, and so, they, uh, whereas Jimmy Cliff in the film The Harder They Come, mm -hmm. for example, you know, he's all dressed in flares and mm -hmm. got, you know, big soft sort of uh, hat and big glasses. But it's the attitude that yeah. connects it all together. And so what we were seeing is there is this 21st century connection to that. And then we went about bringing that to the people. And we had a small area which set the kind of uh, the scene to explain to people the, uh, the context. And then the rest of it is all about now and going forward. And uh, we know that a lot of uh, brands and stuff come down and we're literally systematically going around photographing. Tick, 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 tick. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff then found its way onto catwalks and Definitely. you'll see. Well, it's so see. hard. Like, I didn't know that, 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 that you, it, there was no coordination of wardrobe with it because it, so, mm -hmm. it looks so immaculate. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I can totally understand where brands were totally doing that and then that was flying up yeah. onto people's mood boards and yeah. stuff like that and that's how culture and, and fashion moves yeah. forward, isn't it? Yeah. And like you say, like it, the Rude Boy influenced more than the mods. It was like the, the skinheads as well. They exactly. all took, like, all got vibes yeah. off it and it's just a lovely sort of, like you say, the fact that so many different cultures entwine and then the yeah. beautiful stuff comes yeah. comes out of it, man. Yeah, and the generationally, you know, so you'd get, you, you know, the two-tone the two -tone scene, you know, was... A, a great example of that once again that sort of meshing of mm -hmm. you know black and white culture yeah. you know it's so you know for a political point of view it's actually yeah. really important it is but of course it, excellent clothes as well but it's the attitude mm -hmm. that, yeah. that brings that all together you know yeah, man. sound everything so uh, you know sound system culture and we wanted to represent all that so we we also collaborated with other people and brought those people in on it as well so yeah but you know it's all good so go and check it out man <laughs> well, definitely. Um, check out beanshortly.com because there's loads of stuff on there. That pe it's .com, isn't it? Yeah. Like, there's yeah. loads of stuff on there. I, I can't recommend enough, like, the, the body of work you've done. And that does tie me back to just a question about um, this one. This is your top five things, mm. and you said creating stuff. Mm. And I just think that there's some people out there who just sort of spend their life ending up, like, they go to work, and then their life becomes this, this pursuance of consuming things. Mm. So they, they'll go to work on a job they don't really like, They'll earn some money and then that'll be holiday, takeaway, mm. and that's it. And mm. I always feel that that's, I feel like people sometimes miss a beat. Like when they don't realise that actually when you get tired, it, it can be creating anything from mm. you being passionate about making sandwiches and, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and food or whatever. And you just, that's what you've ended up, I think that's what you've tapped into. Maybe, I don't know, I might be talking for yourself, but if you're that into creating, that sort of is the way that you nourish yourself other than, yeah. you know, But sometimes I, I look at, uh, at people that, that, that seem very content just getting up and, and doing a, a nine to five in a bank or an office or whatever. Mm. And, you know, I don't see nothing wrong with that. No, no, but no, definitely not. For someone, you know, I'd, I'd probably refer to myself as a, 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 you know, somebody that that strives to create bits and pieces, yeah, whether certainly. it be music, clubs, the clothes yeah. we do, or whatever. Yeah. And it's having that, not being content, and that constant sort of yearning to do something else. Yeah. Mm. I do think, are these people winning? Are these people yeah, just yeah. that content? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. They yeah. don't feel the urge to yeah. strive outside of that contentment yeah. I don't know who's, yeah. who's winning yeah. do you know what I mean True. Yeah. like you know it's not for me but you know they, I know loads of people that 
seen quite happy to have a takeaway and watch fucking X Factor mm. and and yeah. spend the next day moaning on social media that people voted for some. Yeah, but they're not. The, club the, foot the, from the, the darn club. shame about that is that they won't have the sort of thing to look back on and go, "Fuck me, look at all these crazy things, all these amazing things that I've shot yeah, or, or produced." You know, but and you certainly will. Still, all the stuff that you've done, and again, mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll talk about some of the people that um, Dean's worked with. Yeah, speaking of. Sorry, thank you. Oh, no, I was going to say, but it's, and it's not necessarily a two-horse race. It's not either yeah. you're a creator or a consumer yeah. mm. because yeah. th- there is, like, amateurism is still mm. a brilliant thing. Mm. It's not, you don't have to, because I know there's going to be people listening to this and they're going, yeah, well, it's all right for you because you're doing that. Mm. It's like, well, it does come with risk. Yeah. Just, there's Huge nothing, risk. there's no safety net. There is no, like, uh, Weekly wage, yeah. <laughs> yeah. do you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. and, and there is no you make it finish sort of at five o'clock and don't have no. to think about it till yeah. nine a.m. No. There's a lot of sleepless nights. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But at the same time, like amateurism is a not a dirty word. Mm. It's a mm. good thing. So people just doing stuff because they love it is where it's at. Yeah, and that goes right back to um, you know collecting records, things like this. What we're going to talk about later, but. All of, all of those things um, are passion. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to do things necessarily in a professional capacity to be good and to make a comment and to do stuff. It could be stitching. It could be whatever yeah. you like. Mm. It could be like, you know, giving your dog a crazy hair. I don't know if you're allowed to shave dogs, but, or, but you know, it could be, you know, poodles have mad haircuts, <laughs> yeah, don't they? You know, yeah. it could be like, you know, that sort of thing. It's a channeling of creativity. Yeah. It could yeah. be any manner of things. It yeah. might be candy floss animals or something yeah, I yeah, don't know yeah, yeah. but you know all Is those sort of things I don't know we you just made it up there Sounds let's do it right, <laughs> right. <laughs> rewind <laughs> yeah but you know it's just it, it manifests itself all over it's not it's not like pillars it's yeah. liquid mm. you know mm. That's what it is. Nice, so. nice. So, so um, we did sort of derail you a little bit. So, when was it that you picked up the cameras? Um, so, well, so my dad had you know like the old Zenith camera, which was like a a tank. Sort of, a, you know, you could throw it at a wall and it break the wall. Um, and we didn't really know how to work it properly. And so, you know, we we had a go. The key old filter, all that sort of yeah. stuff, you know. Um, all that sort of stuff, all, all film. Um, had a little play with it, but didn't really go any further than that. And then I started to go into, get into the t- tailoring side of things because I, that, I thought that was where it was at for me, you know. And I was like, oh, yeah, I want to be a fashion designer. I didn't know what that meant, by mm. the way. I, I really loved Pierre Cardin's clothes, but didn't know how to do anything like yeah. that. You know? So what year was this all sort of starting to happen? I suppose that would have been about 82. So that was I when suppose, the, yeah. the casuals were wearing Pierre Cardin. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But also yeah. I was looking back to 1960s Pierre yeah, Cardin yeah. And, mm. and that sort of stuff and the sort of Nehru jackets that he was having mm. and because that was the sort of psychedelic, yeah. those shirts that the new, you know, new psychedelia yeah. were, were having and um, there were bands, I mean, all sorts of bands like Le Mat. I think were around that period, maybe a, a little bit later, but um, they're a band from South End, and they were quite kind of. Um, they used to be a mod band, and they changed right. into. Uh, they used to be called them. They well, used to be called the Leapers, right? And it's rare for you not to. Yeah, all, mate. yeah no, they were, but then they become Le Mat, and they were. They were big. Uh, there was there's a band, and now uh, people will only remember this band from their hits, and they'll people's eyes might roll at this moment. Doctor and the Medics. Yep. So they might go, oh, Spirit in the Sky. Yeah. But the thing was, if you actually saw Doctor and the Medics play live, and they used to play down in South End a lot at the Queen's Hotel, 
uh, down there. Played here a lot. Did they play here a lot? Mm -hmm. Well, they used to do things like love, peace and bananas. Yep. Where he would pull his trousers down and people would slap his bum yep. with banana skins. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they were great. Really, mm. really. And they had their own scene and Lamatt were kind of rolled up in that as well. And so, so, so that's where that kind of, like, I've digressed a little bit. But the point is, that's where those clothes come from. I was starting to think about that sure. kind of thing, getting into to that. But as I say, I didn't really know um, how or how to become that. Yeah. But when I left school, I um, then did a, a youth training scheme, which once again, a lot of people derided. I was, I was um, accepted into local college and then I was accepted on the, the um, YTS scheme. And I went for the YTS scheme because you did four days a week in like practical sense and then yeah. you kind of came back and did a, a one day a week and you got paid like 28 quid a yeah, week 28 quid or yeah. something <laughs> but you know what that's what bought me yeah. you know my clothes sure. or records and yeah. stuff you know and I was like yeah this is alright man yeah. this is cool and I'm learning stuff and it's it's practical and uh, you know so yeah so we did that and it was it was good and did um, sit in guilds and sort of won a little competition thing met Tommy Nutter who was a very famous tailor at the time Savile Row uh, bloke inspiration and but and but then I was like oh man it's gonna it's gonna involve like lots of you know borrowing lots of money to set mm -hmm. up your own tailor shop you know sure. to be honest with you and so I was like oh I'm gonna ease off of that so I just got a sort of another job and then I started to get into minicross racing and rally cross okay. it's a bit of a leap wow. sorry yeah, yeah, sorry yeah, everybody yeah, keep yeah. up uh, but yeah and so I you know, I used to go to Brands Hatch and places like with my mate and I was like, oh yeah, I want to learn how to take pictures of these cars. Yeah. And so I went to an evening class and that's when I started to learn about, um, you know, photography. And then that started to take over and I did an A-level in that, like a day release sort of thing and did that. And as I was approaching that, I was like, oh man, I've just got to take this further. And talking about further, that might have coincided with uh, buying a Volkswagen camper van, painting it up all psychedelically. And the reason we say further is like Ken Kesey's electric Kool-Aid acid test. Um, <laughs> and so we paint, me and my girlfriend spent six months painting it up outside our house. Oh. And then we took off and drove around to um, France in it. And then funnily enough... How long did you do it? How long was the, the trip around France? It was, it was like a month and a half, yeah. a month, something like that, a month. And I think we was, the plan was to go down to um, Italy but it broke down and all these manner of things happened, but it was just a brilliant trip, you know, like that. And it was, it was excellent in a psychedelic camper van and it was full on, uh, thing. And, um, and funnily enough, around that time when we came back, that was a kind of like 1988 sort of period by that time. And I 89 even. And when we came back at the Conway hall, this guy called Ken Babs was given a talk and he was one of the people who featured, featured in that electric Kool-Aid acid right. test book. And he wrote further, ah. comes back to he wrote further in the bus, in the headlining of the bus. And, uh, but yeah, and so, so, so that sort of, at that moment, I sort of, had sort of transformed my, my view to things. And I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to go for this. For I'm going to give everything else up. I'm going to go for it, you know? And, and there were people who were saying to me, you're mad, what are you doing? But it was like, and it was sort of period of like economic sort of turbulence as well. I sure. think. And so I was like, people even more they saying you saying that yeah, this isn't the like time to be. Eight, doing well, it was yeah. a big big recession. Yeah, wasn't yeah. It, yeah. It, it was all going a bit 
bit wonky and it's a bit like well you know I'm thinking well if I if I study now by the time I finish hopefully it's all sorted itself out <laughs> yeah. well we're still here it hasn't really sure, sorted yeah, itself yeah, out yeah, you know yeah, what I mean yeah, well. <laughs> but, um, but, but the point is that really getting into it. the lecturers at the when I was doing the A level the lecturers were saying look you should uh, you know there's a, a lady called Jane O'Connell and a guy called Russell Nixon who were a lecturers there were incredibly supportive and I've got to tell you that is the thing it's like a lot of it comes to uh, individuals and encouragement and people really seeing something in somebody and, and telling people to go for it it is important people do need support at that time mm. and at that age especially as well or even creatively at that age you know however yeah i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Because you, you can get rattled, can't you? You can be doing, putting People can stuff tell you out you're no and, good. Oh, you're no you know, good. You know, yeah. it, it depends. Is it half full or half yeah. empty? You know, mm. that sort of thing. And, and they, were, they were saying, you know, you should, you should go for it. And so I, I thought, yeah, I'm going to go for it. And, and that's what I did. And so I studied in Blackpool for three years. And it was brilliant. Yeah, really, really good. And at that time, I started to work for Dazed and Confused. That was the magazine, which... Yeah, the, you just uh, slipped that in there. Just slipped that in fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, worked at Dazed and Confused. You said, like, oh my God, yeah. that must have been so exciting to but, land that. And yeah, but the thing was it, was, it was in the summer holiday when I, I came down, went to their offices. And they, remember, it was actually a really small magazine at that time. And it was there was only about sort of five people that worked for it. Um, and I went there to show him my stuff. And I saw this guy called Phil Pointer. And he looked at it and he said, oh, because he was, he was Rankin's assistant right. photographer. <clears throat> and uh, he was like, oh, you know, look. And so he, he showed Rankin it. And it just turns out that they had had a shoot done that they weren't happy with before. And they had to have it done. And they said, oh, what are you doing tomorrow? Do you want to do a shoot for us? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Inside yeah. thinking, what the hell? Oh my <laughs> yeah. God, what's yeah. going to go on yeah. now? You know, because all the support you have at, 
at yeah. college or university and that is another thing it's like when you're studying it's you've got a lot of people around you yeah you've got all the oh i can hire this equipment mm. i can use the the lab or whatever i can use the uh, you know studio and but then when you're on your own you are on your own you're in bandit territory yeah. <laughs> yeah and so inside you're kind of dying but outside of course you're going to go this is a great opportunity. And so I did that. And then... Well, you said yes. Like you I said, said yes. you've got to seize, seize, you you've know, got seize to do the opportunity. It, yeah. And it's out of your comfort zone, but that's that's probably what it's all about, really. Absolutely. You know, challenging yourself at yeah. the time, you know. And so so I did that. And it kind of went well. And, you know, it was really lovely. There's a, a lady called Helen Chadwick who I photographed. And she was the pre... She was the sort of an artist that predated... Um, Damien Hurst and the young British artists that came afterwards. Mm. So she was like the next generation, the generation before, really, you could say. And she was really um, amazing person, um, a pioneer in many ways. Um, but once again, you know, it's, it's that thing, you know, I'm honoured to have done those pictures because she probably, I think it was two years later, died. And wow. that's what I'm saying. It's like, it, coming back to photography it's the period we live in where there's so much like so many images out there yeah but it could also be the period where we don't really thoroughly document it as we had done so you know when you kind of go upstairs and you find that box of old photographs that you've mm. got and you go oh you know yeah look at that it's us <laughs> yeah. in the garden you know yeah. dressed up like rabbits yeah and when we went to that fancy dress party or whatever but but so many times now people do not actually store their stuff their their information properly and things and they'll just lose it or yeah. or my biggest thing as well at the moment is um you know i i have a lot of information you know generating all this stuff and it's like keeping it on hard drives is kind of good but you're backing it up all the time and yeah. i was like right yes cloud storage but it's like the moment you get into that as well it's like they've got you then because they could just say oh you know what tomorrow it's going to be 700 pound yeah, didn't a week. we? Um, <laughs> you, go, you read all, you read that oh, uh, no. four-page disclaimer <laughs> yeah. document on yeah. Apple, yeah. Well, or whatever yeah. it is. You're like, you yeah. just no one reads it, do they? It's, but, it's it's a real it's a real thing, you know. The amount of information, how do you store it? You mm. know, and, and people store a lot of that nowadays. People use Facebook as their, mm. their their life album, and it's like, well, one day if they if if there's a terrorist attack on Facebook, well, do you remember MySpace? Yeah, yeah. I mean, how much music is in the sort of circulating yeah. around mm. our, you know, uh, universe that is on there? Yeah. Brilliant stuff that will never, yeah. ever be heard. And I can guarantee you in 10 years' time, all of what we know now will not exist in the same mm. capacity. Absolutely. Because the, no the notion of uh, technology... So fast. ...is to regenerate. Mm. Because if it didn't, it wouldn't ever be able to earn money. Yeah. And so... There is stuff out there which is the ultimate conclusion and solution, but they will never probably get to that point yeah. because why would we? Yeah, know, in a way. Not as, not not as people. Yeah, exactly. Selling it in, uh, <clears throat> to consumers, you can't really profit out of that, can you? Yeah. Just say, oh, here's the answer. Yeah. So, well, we'll, we'll drip feed I'm sure you I that. We'll drip the feed. iPhone 56 tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, do you know what I mean? There's, there's just too much money to be made just in the sits meantime. inside your ear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we move on to number two? Shall we do oh, yeah. number two? So, yeah, we've handily got our list here. Going to clubs and gigs. Well, we're sitting in the pink toothbrush, aren't we? We are. Indeed. And, I mean, I don't even have to close my eyes because I'm, I'm here. Yeah. Like, almost a hundred vari variations of myself 
I'm here. I'm actually yeah. here when the, pr the band called The Prisoners played yep. on the stage. And there was, in the other corner, there was loads of psychobillies. Yeah. And because it was a tour... Um, Can you explain, because a lot of our listeners oh, don't know what, what a psychobilly is. is. Oh, okay, so psychobilly is a kind of... Okay, if you wanted to talk about sort of historically, it comes from a rock and roll background. Yep. You could say Teddy Boys times rockabillies times skinheads times scooters yep. times custard yep. because there were times there's a band called King Kurt, for example. On that stage. On that stage. Yep. Many a times the wheel of whatever it was yep. called. They, they spray the audience with custard. Yep. And they one they had a buckets of offal at one gig. It was an awful gig. <laughs> and, uh, oh, 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 come on, mate. Stop it. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take oh, that out. It. Security. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah but, I mean, so, so bearing in mind, it was a, it was a tour that um, it was kind of Medway tour, yeah. actually, I think, because um, the Milkshakes were playing that yeah. night, who are a brilliant band, and I've got, got to say, big shout to Billy Childish. Yeah. A, like, a genius Renaissance man, yeah. who I have to say, I've, got, I've had the pleasure of spending some time with, wow. and he's an absolute unique person. So it, people check out Billy Childish. He's a, I mean, he's a prolific painter, musician, poet, yeah. um, unique force who's inspired so many people, whether it be uh, the White Stripes, you name it. Mm. He's, he's um, manner and style, because you, you know, the way he looks and everything is out of this world. Mm. But anyway, so he, he would have been playing that night. Yeah. But the psychobillies would have liked it would have liked the milkshakes because they were like a trash, trashy yeah. kind of garagey rock, you know, stripped down blues. Yeah. I mean, listen to them. They are great. But also the, the prisoners were playing uh, also from uh, like Chatham Way. Mm -hmm. You know, the Medway sound was something yeah. at that time that was a, a, a big deal. And, uh, but the psychobillies didn't like them. And we were standing over this side, pretty much right here. I would say 10 foot away. And it was really tense in here because I did think it was going to go off. And there wasn't that many people here, but it was angsty because the prisoners were playing. We loved the prisoners, but the bass player was like offering out <laughs> the, the psychobillies. Like, you know, it's like, oh, this is, this is tense. This is like when the band start offering out yeah, the yeah, audience, yeah, yeah. it's tense, you know. <laughs> and it's like, oh. So, um, but it was, you know, it was a brilliant gig, man. But, yeah, it was tense. That's the thing. Going to gigs in them days. When we went and saw the jam, we saw the jam at Cliss Pavilion. And, I mean, it was a massive gig for, for us. It was like, this is it. Mm. This is brilliant. And it was one of their last gigs. But leading up to it, there's all this, oh, there's all these skinheads are going to come down. It's going to be a massive fight. You know, it was all like that. It's like, yeah. oh, wow, it's really, you know. And, and coming to here, for example, it's like, how do you get here? Mm. Because you start mm. roaming around between here and South yeah. End, it's actually a, it's a bit like the Warriors, you know, where you kind of, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, you've you got, you got to yeah. navigate past quite Brilliant. a few different subcultures going on. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Excellent. At any given moment, you that, get on a bus. I'll tell you what, though, that's a bloody great movie, that is. All, oh, the, yeah. all the different cultures. See, based on it's really weird. The Warriors. Every time I have this conversation, yeah. I always opt for the Wanderers, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the Wanderers had the better soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. The Wanderers soundtrack was loads of doo-wop and like loads of Frankie Valley, obviously. And oh, it was, for me, that was one of the films like Quadrophenia that, that, that shaped me as a kid. And it was like Class of 84, which didn't, but yeah. it was when there was that whole fascination with Bronx and gangs mm -hmm. and, 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 and that was, oh, Wanderers. I've got the 
film poster yeah, in the bar, yeah, aren't I? Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a big one for me, that. I need to check it out. But yeah, so you had to get past the Baldies and the Ducky Boys and the Wongs just to yeah. get to the brush yeah. uh, for, uh, for your night <laughs> yeah, out. Well, well, funny enough, in, it, was it in, um, also in Warriors, there was kind of like clockwork orangey kind of characters as well, weren't yeah. there? The American sort football of, players. Mm, yeah. yeah. And um, funny enough, back in the day, now correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, right? But there used to be Southern United's football club there used to be supporters called the Clockwork Orange Kids and they all dressed up like that really? on the terrace. Fuck me. So that's... check that out. We need more information. Post it up on the website or something. If, yeah. you've got, if you were part of that or anything. Yeah. Let's but see it. That's what I've heard. Clockwork Orange Kids and at that time when Clockwork Orange came out and they all dressed up in white at the eye terrifying obviously that is fucking yeah, terrifying yeah, it's terrifying it? i mean it's a strong look don't get me wrong but it is also like the connotations of cockroach orange are pretty yeah yeah would be quite intimidating yeah. what a yeah, soundtrack sure. that film's got mm-hmm. but so um so that that was one of the gigs that was here and then another i mean the toothbrush has got such um a variety of music genres that come through here as well though because mm. yeah. we've, i've seen like um Shaman, for example. That was yeah. my favourite gig yeah. here. Was it really? Yeah. Mm. That was they funny. brought their own sound system in and they completely done the club out. It, it was, for, and that was when Will Sim was still alive. That's right. He died shortly yeah. after that, yeah. maybe a year, I yeah. suppose, after that. All right. But yeah, yeah Pro General, Move Any Man, it had been Oof. the first issue, had yeah. been out. Obviously, they put it out again, yeah. you know, a little while later. But yeah, that was a that was loud that yeah. night. So why did they bring system in? They just weren't happy with yours? Or d- had they scoped it out? Or were just like, no, look, don't I think worry. they just took the, the, just the, 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 a sound system with them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, this was 89, probably. Yeah. Maybe, probably, maybe 90. And, you know, I guess it was midway through, maybe, or to the tail end of Acid Ass and sound systems and stuff, maybe. Mm. I don't know. Well, also Gary Clow. Yes. You know, your yeah. new sound system. Yeah. But, um, you saw Gary Clow here? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but because there was also loads of hip hop, like f- like foundation hip hop coming. Eighty nine, no ninety. Ice T played on that stage. I saw him, and I was going to tell you. So when we arrived, when we came up here, we people so won't never believe me when no, I say no, this. I know, like, I'm gutted. It does like, make no sense. Doesn't I know. Like, hip hop was mad. kind of my first genre, but, but at ninety, what well, I was ten, so yeah. I would have never got up here for that. But just to think that a year later, when I started really getting a bit crazy for hip hop. You had OST play up there, you know, the power, rec- you know, yeah. when Willie's power. Yeah, so. it was. So what happened is we, we were walking up uh, Rayleigh High Street and there was this this woman and she looked gorgeous, <laughs> oh, man. No, but she was roaming yeah. around. She was like, hey, do you know where the uh, toothbrush is? And I was like, oh, yeah, it's up there. Um, <laughs> and then, then so yeah. f- fast forward an hour or so or whatever it is, As we're in comes. here and it was Ice-T and the Rhyme Syndicate. Yeah, yeah. And so it was like Bango the Beat Boy, wasn't it? And all that, it was absolutely brilliant. Like I got a t-shirt from it somewhere probably. And it was so good. And he comes on, big coat, massive bottle of champagne, sprays it all over the audience. Like, and it was full on, wasn't it? And then she comes on and yep. she's got the, you know, she that was, outfit. I think her name was Darnell or something. something I can't like remember, that. I can't remember, man. In the outfit she wears on the sleeve. In the sleeve. outfit. That outfit sleeve. was absolutely like, ridiculous. I didn't know where I looked. Well, I didn't, no, you know, yeah. I, I, I didn't, you know what I mean? That sleeve, <laughs> that sleeve, if you run your finger over it, <laughs> oh, steady, okay, it's raised. Like, Maybe on your one, all pal. the characters on it are raised yeah, from the yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. and the back of it is is the back of their backs as yeah. well. And obviously, it was quite a revealing. Yeah, because uh, he's got the Uzi behind uh, his back, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Evil he's holding the Uzi, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, that that's crazy. That story gets you know, it's an an extra little bit of information on that. Having me 
met you, Dean, and hearing did that you, you was here. Did you see Boogie Down Productions here? Yeah, BDP. Yeah. Um, Jungle Brothers. Yep. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's like it's hard to believe, but 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 I've also been to um, man. I went to a talk, and this is the thing. Bearing in mind, geographically, people might not know where the Pink Toothbrush is. It's in a place called Rayleigh, which isn't really on the way to no. anywhere, is it? No, it's a, it's a, I would say, kind of moderately quiet town. Yeah. Which is on the outskirts of South End. It's not necessarily, um, there's no club like oh, There's some pubs um, and, and bits and pieces. But this exists here. And so, for whatever reason, those promoters at that time must have thought, this is great. And um, I think even... You know, pre was it pre gold mine? A lot of those people uh, used to come, so they would gone to the WAG or whatever, and then they would. Th this is another generation, by the way. Right. I never went to this thing, but they would have gone to the WAG, and then all of that lot, like Boy George, all that lot, well, were coming Kids. here when it was like, yeah, Blitz Kids. Well, exactly. well, Culture Club played their first ever show here. There you go. And uh, and and Roy Hay, is it? The guitarist in Culture Club, come down about ten years ago, and I made a documentary about hmm. Culture Club, and they, they come here and. And uh, there's some interesting story because that that era really interests me. That whole kind of sort of the romantic era, I think, yeah. is where obviously this was called Crocs at the time. Yeah. And uh, and we had a, an alligator in a cage. That's it. Um, sitting just behind, where, which is fucking surreal. Um, <laughs> but was it big? Was it like you could barely barely pass? <laughs> was it like you know people say alligator, but really it only just about barely passed the requirements for it to be an alligator. I, I wouldn't have had a wrestle with it, put okay. it that way. Okay, all right. Uh, okay. um, but I, I recently um, been reading uh, Mark Allman's book, okay. and uh, and and he talks about um, being bottled off stage here. Oh. Um, when they, because there was there was quite a big scene up in Sheffield at that point. I think it was the Capro Voltaire and all that was happening mm -hmm. up there, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and and obviously you had Club for Heroes and Blitz and, and stuff like that mm -hmm. in, in in London. But there's footage of uh, you can see on YouTube of obviously the local band was Depeche Mode yeah. uh, on stage up there, and and Danny Baker comes down to make a documentary about the the the, the, the club kids in 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 Rayleigh and it's just nuts obviously it's before my time unfortunately but there's all these people just looking incredible like queuing up to come yeah. in in here and and I know I, I talk about this place a lot but it is you know it is my little baby and, and I do it, it still blows my mind every time I walk in here that I do think it is a doorway in a high street in the middle of nowhere got some stories it's not south end do you know what i mean it's yeah. it's Rayleigh, and it, yeah, i don't know if there's a venue in south end that's got a, the history that this has got i mean um, and this but still existing about, probably yeah, still not existing, yeah. like, you've got chinnies obviously played a load of great bands there and you've got things like tots which goes back to like when my parents were sort of you know you know rocking and rolling and whatnot but yeah. it's not i don't think it's had mm. the, the, the the wide diversity of music you was just um talking about dean and you call this place an alt club and it's like it's alternative music it's like it's everything other than it is just it the is. dross that you might you might catch you know and, and looking at mainstream. dean's um list there, there's a few clubs that i, I, I want to talk about specifically um and i know that that you've worked at length with, with some of the guys from, from some of these clubs, specifically the one I want to talk about now. And I remember um, maybe 
10, 11, maybe 12 years ago. Um, this, you know, lots of times clubs had, had, had tried to sort of imitate what we do and had tried to set up alternative nights, much the same as what we do, playing whatever was kind of big in the alternative mm. scene at that time. And, uh, and I remember I used to DJ at Sax uh, mm. on a Wednesday night. Um, and, uh, and, and it was just at a kind of, at the time of probably mid-90s, Britpop time. And I, I remember these, these lads coming down and, and I grew up with Nathan and Nolan Abbott. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and this little kid comes in, <laughs> must have been about 18, dressed as a mod with a couple of his mates. And was like, stick some who on. I can't think what it was. but uh, And they were, you know, doing their best to do a bit of northern dancing. And and the energy they had. And I was like, fucking hell, these kids are like 18. And they're turning up. And they look shit on. And it was Ollie, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I was like, wow. And then fast forward a few years. And all of a sudden, like, words getting out. There's this new club in South End. And... Uh, and I was like, oh, it's just another indie club, like, you know. And it weren't another indie club, you know. And yeah. and it made me feel old. <laughs> and it made me feel out of touch. And I see Reese, I see Reese at an NME Awards years ago. And I, and I first time I'd seen him really since the horrors had, yeah. you know, really established themselves. And and I was like, mate, you, you I just I tip my hat to what you've achieved yeah. in the basement of the Royal Hotel. It was phenomenal. Yeah. And yeah. so I'll, I'll hand over you to talk about Junk Club a bit <laughs> yeah. then, because uh, it, it was it was quite some beast, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was, it was brilliant and purely by chance. So uh, that I came by it really. Um, so I, one time, because we used to go to Sax a lot, you mm -hmm. know. So I'd, by that time, obviously, I'd, I was living in London. I was doing a lot of stuff. I mean, I photographed lot of stuff for a lot of different people some people think that I'm like a music photographer mm. but I'm not music is something I like and I do a lot of mm. but at the same time I do lots of other things as well mm. other things that I like and so but music and the NME at the yeah. time you know NME was, was a, you know, happening like that and so I came back to Southend to see my mum and dad and uh, we went down to um a shop which was right near the railway. It wasn't Nasty's because it's where it was, yep. but by that time it had changed hands and it was called something. It was like a boutique yep. in some sort of way. And so Amanda was trying on something and while I was waiting for her, I was just, you know, like you do, you're kind of like shuffling around and like, oh, pick up a flyer. I was like, oh, this is interesting. What's this? this just looks really kind of DIY, uh, you know, kind of in interesting design. It looks yeah. kind of rough, you know, but but interesting. And so... That night we went to Saks and we bumped into a, a few friends down there. And we're like, oh, you know, we're, we're going to stay here for a bit and then we're going to go and check this club out. And they were all like, no, nah, we're going to stay here sort of thing. And so I was like, okay. So Amanda and me went down there and it was amazing. Yeah. It really was. So it was almost like going down them steps. It was because obviously it did happen in a couple of different places. Mm -hmm. So it, it took, it mainly happened in the basement of the uh, Royal Hotel. But at times it would happen, uh, I can't remember the hotel, but it was um, in Westcliff. Yeah. Um, a couple of times it happened up there as well. But so we went down there and it was just a revelation. And it felt like w the people that were there were really kind of um, swimming against this tide of um, mediocrity that was uh, 
outside of the doors, mm. you know, because two-step R&B, for example, and um, had really kind of... And, and house music, I felt, a, a plateaued by that time. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't really going anywhere. It didn't feel like... And I was doing a lot of stuff prior to that to, um, uh, with Mixmag and stuff, mm-hmm. but I did feel that sort of changeover point, you know. And, and so what was down there was all these people listening to great music and it was abstract and felt i wouldn't say dangerous but it was it was punk in that way yeah. you know? and it wasn't necessarily just people <clears throat> with mohican sort of thing when i say punk i mean it was subversive yeah. reactionary it was doing something different and it was hedonistic as well and it was hot and it was a strobe light going all the time and it was like smoke machine and it was full-on you know um sensory yeah uh, stimulation going on and um you know sweat coming off the walls and you could you could put your arms up and touch the ceiling yeah, yeah. It was so low I, i've always loved that about clubs and that yeah. that stemmed from junk and uh and also sax as well sax has mm. got that hasn't it just that low yeah. ceiling yeah 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 and so and do you know what that night they did a raffle <laughs> it was strange to say halfway through and so we bought a raffle ticket or amanda did and um and won uh, so, so i went up and Picked up the record because the man was like, "Oh Jesus, I'm not going up there." And so, uh, so it sounds weird—a raffle you know, in the context of that club. But anyway, um, and I spoke to Reese for the first time at that, at that moment, and I was just like, "Oh man, I just think this is so good what you're doing here," you know. And we got chatting, and then I met Ollie and Kieran, and Kieran had designed the flyer, um, and coincidentally, you know. I did an exhibition with Kieran so, yeah. last year, you know, and at the end of last year, and I continue to work with him, working him on, on a new project at the moment, a film, that, a little film that I'm making. Um, and uh, he, this is what I mean. Like, those those clubs are much more than the kind of, the seri- you know, the, 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 the sum of their parts. You go there and you're around people, those sort of clubs, you're around people that are like-minded and that, can stay with you forever that so, those re- friendships and relationships and some people meet and get married and all that sort of stuff in those environments that they're formative things that's totally. it's bringing people together the music is the sort of shaman yeah if you like going back to the shaman yeah but that is the thing that is bringing people that's the magnet you know but what happens o- Ollie was in your of, your other short film wasn't he as well that's right hmm. and you know that that film uh young souls all the people in there that's incredible, by the way, mate. Oh, thank you very much, man. It's like all those people are people that I kind of knew. Mm. You know, they're not they're not uh, experienced actors, yeah. and and that that also comes from my perspective of making it as well, because you know it was a you know I think I should do this right. Let's do it. And I said to Scully, who's the main protagonist in that film, yeah. You know, I was like, oh, you know, do you fancy doing it? Because I think you could pull it off, man. You know, you're, I know you can. And he's a great character. You know, himself, he's a, you know, when I say character, I don't mean a fabrication. I mean, he's a, got a great character. And, and I knew he could pull it off. And like with Ollie and Claire, who was Scully's mm-hmm. girlfriend at the time, everyone in, and then we also put the word out on Facebook I mean, I'm digressing a little bit, but when we did the club scenes, it's not like we just rocked up and Where did some that? stuff. It's upstairs at the Dome in Tufnell Park. Right. Mm. And and so I spoke to the guy that runs the place there and said, you know, I want to hire it out. And then I put the word out and just basically 
ask people to come down and everyone come down and you know but beforehand had filmed all the other bits and pieces and all that sort of stuff and and then put it all together and it, and it worked very well but it's that thing of um it's not big business stuff yeah know, what this is this is exactly the moment one of the one of the crucial times when i started out with photography i realized that the camera and I'm not a technical technical person, you know. What I am is like I I realised that that camera enabled me to do things which were kind of put you in an exceptional situation, and they're almost like a passport as well. So such an interesting way to look at that, Dean. It's not about oh, you know, how many megapixels has that camera got? <laughs> and it's like oh my god, I want to hang myself. You know? But it's like it, it's really so. And I'm going to say that. I found the moment I was I started with with photography rewinding r- right back there, I got I got the camera and, and I was like oh, I can go up to people now and I can ask them if they if they would mind me photographing them and it and it's a diff- it diffuses yeah. things and so I found myself down Southend R- Roots Hall Market on a Saturday morning I used to go down there anyway to look for stuff because I love all that you know car boot sale business and getting stuck in um, but there was a, a big skinhead bloke. And he was terrifying looking, honestly. He looked like dangerous. Yeah. But I was like, oh, mm. it probably sounds a bit weird, but, you know, I think he looked amazing. And I just wondered if you would mind me taking your picture. And he was like, yeah, no, that's, that's all right. But um, I'm an artist as well. I make stuff. And I was like, oh. He's like, yeah, I, you know, if you want, you can um, come and see some of my work as well. I was like, oh, Okay. So I ended up going around his house, meeting his partner, and she was brilliant as well. But he made he made um, sculptures out of wood with a machete and like nails, right? And then he was like, "Ah, oh, so um, his name was Rico. You might even know him." And so he now I think lives in France, and he does like a salvage program on on Delhi. Anyway, no. point is, he was like, "Yeah, so." I took the pictures of him and, and I love these pictures to this day. And then he was like, do you know what? I'm actually a guardian angel. I go up to London. We travel around on the tubes and protect people. Oh, do you gosh. want to come? Yeah. Are they still a thing, guardian angels? No. Their talk, there was, well, it was it, something come out about three months ago. They're toying with bringing the concept really? of it back. Because what did, why do you reckon it got stamped out? Do you reckon that was a, that, that was a, that was a, a governmental thing? Because it, it was, was vigilanteism. It was... A combination of things. So I think... Sorry to derail. Oh, no, no, not at all. What, what actually happened, I think, is there was... S- the guy that set it up in America, because mm. it's an American thing. Mm. Sure. Set up on the metros over there and yeah. whatever. And come over here. But I think that there was a political bias involved, which is difficult if you're protecting people. You Presumably, you've got to protect everybody and not just mm. certain people. And I think that... I th- you know, there's obviously a definitive answer, definitive yeah. answer to this. But I think it got tangled up in politics. Okay. And that's what stopped it. But we were on a train. Right. But so to, to point it out to listeners that have no idea what the Guardian Angels sure. are outside the normal kind of idea of what a, a Guardian yeah. Angel is, yeah. it, it was, they kind of looked like 1980s gang members from Red Berets. Yeah, Red like Berets. Kind of red sort of t- t-shirt, Guardian yeah. Angel on it. Maybe combat trousers yeah. tucked yeah. into boots. Yeah. They had... Uh, they would wear gloves yeah. because if anyone attacks you with a knife and they did get attacked mm. remember yeah. they're engaged if they see something what happens is they were their their task to themselves was to protect people um, like vigilantism yeah. I suppose you could say um, but they would go on the tubes and if they saw stuff happening they would 
go for Engage. it. Engage. Yeah. yeah. And they would, that's kind of, so they were expert in sort of uh, martial arts, mm. boxing, hand-to-hand hand mm. combat. Mm. Yeah. And they would all have names. And, and Rico was actually called Redskin. And, you know, he was an intimidating guy. But I have to say, you know, to look at, Heart of Gold, though, you know, really amazing, incredibly, like, the spectrum of his personality was unbelievable, shining, radiating. And he felt that's what he wanted to do, to help people like that. And so so we, would, we, we went up there, and I travelled around with them. But you would get to a station, and the, the guard, because that's, that's, that's the thing on the tubes, there was no guard walking up and down the train. So things were going on in the train, yeah. like, like it happens yeah. now, you know. Yeah. If something's going on, there was no little cameras. Mm. There are cameras now, at least, in carriages. But if stuff was going on, if people were getting beaten up and the Northern Line was called something like the, you know, I don't know, the Terror Line or whatever it was called. I can't remember what it was called. But, um, you know, people were getting steamed, you know, where gangs of people were running in and literally stealing everything off of everybody. I, I remember that. that. must have been... What year was this, roughly? P- probably, like, 90 or something because like that. I remember that was... Um Loads of people. It was, it was when the kind of was it troop trainers and things like that was kind yeah. of, and it was the first kind of wave of sort of post casual where trainers were costing serious money. Yeah, yeah. And, sure. and it was, and, and I remember the gangs were like literally steaming through trains, yeah. robbing people of like, yeah, 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 your, yeah. Your trainers. Reebok pumps, Twilights, yeah, Air Jordan. Yeah, anything, you know, just like shaking people down for stuff. Mm. And so, but anyway, we were, we were on this train, it pulls into a station, and over the tunnel, it's like, We've heard there's guardian angels on this train. The train's not going anywhere until they get off. And the people in the carriage and the carriages were saying, "We don't want you to get off." Yeah. So that, you know, we're standing there, and so and they're like, "Well, no, we are going to get off because otherwise it's going to impede your journey, sort of thing." So we're going to get off. We're getting the next train on. Crazy. Um, but, but but you know, I got these pictures of them. They're, they're literally like hip hop style, you know, sort yeah. of crouching down. And we're talking men and women. This Fuck, is not you've got photos of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And, and there's there's this one picture of one of the guys in a carriage and it looks you know, it's a lovely, lovely picture and he's he looks not a kind of like nut job. They're, you know, he's just like a normal guy but like a military sort of yeah. look to it, you know. It was a thing, you know. Yeah. But but so I so I realised with the camera that it was my passport. You'd have never had those that. stories. Never and, had that. And then forever, like you've now, you've made a career of sort yeah. of like using that. And it's exciting. Obviously, there's work there, but it's you, you get access to all these well, it's amazing weird, weird situation. It's a bit like, uh, you know, in Blade Runner, where uh, Rutger Hur is at the end there, and he's going, "I've been on battleships." at the edge of Saturn or whatever he says you know it's like I've seen thing, you know I've done question. no I haven't done questionable things that's what he said <laughs> I, I haven't done that nothing I've done is ever questionable alright uh, so but the point is it's like I do I do feel like that sometimes yeah. you know like you know you get sort of you know people banging on or whatever and I, I don't ever normally you know I'm not unleashing to you now but I'm not like blah 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 sort of person like that but you know, but when people start going off on one, sometimes in my mind I'm thinking, I'm like that Rutger Hur character, <laughs> just sitting, sitting there going, I've seen, you know, I've been in the ring of Saturn, you know, or whatever. And I've seen things, man. I've yeah. been surrounded by um, Christian militia in Serbia, you know what I mean? What? Things like this. It's I didn't know magic. anything about this. But anyway, yeah, no, I mean, that was a, that was a whole another, uh, that was a whole another episode where we, you know, for the magazine Mix Mag, went out there um, and the idea was to bring raves to 
uh, the kids to bring yeah. everyone together you know yeah. to you know bring bring the kids together when's this thing um man that would have been like um 98 uh, or 9 or something like that i would have said 99 probably um and it was kind of in in conjunction with psyops like psychological operations you know so we stayed on an army base um because it was dangerous, mm. you know. It was a week after seven seven. There you go. That's exactly when it was. Yeah. And uh, you know, it was touch and go whether the trip was even going to go off or not because a lot of people pulled out um, because it was sensitive time. Um, but yeah, and so uh, the idea is to set up these raves, and they were in like nuclear bunkers and things because that's what happened in the uh, civil war essentially that happened there. And it was and it was there was atrocities going on. It was terrible, but music brought people together so yeah. at the weekend sometimes people would put down their weapons and come and go to a club and they would be together and so the idea is to foster that feeling and bring it back unity but we was always accompanied by a plainclothes soldier but me and the journalist gave the soldier the slip because we wanted to experience the real deal but then that's when it went a bit peaked on <laughs> so and we was in a bar and uh you know, it was, it was daylight. It wasn't like nighttime. So, because they were sitting up around the corner, and so we went in there and and I asked the guy at the bar. I was like, "Oh, you know, can I take some pictures?" So I went up on the balcony and just take some pictures. And any point, didn't come down. And then um, I realised that we was then surrounded, and because I had a bit of a uh, beard going on at the time, and I realised that nobody else had any facial hair mm. whatsoever. And then they started saying, "You're like Bin Laden." And I was like, uh, whoa. Uh, and then I, you know, started to close in and like, what are you doing here? You know, this, you know, you're a Muslim and you're like Bin Laden. What are you doing here? And so. That's like, fucking intimidating. Yeah. Well, it was. <laughs> it was really intimidating. Jesus. Mistaken and, identity. Yeah. And, and so it was, it was really heavy. But so it, it transpires that through a bit of negotiation and the barman helping us, the guy who was sitting next to me was like the boss and we explained the situation, what was going on. And then he actually started to open up to say that the whole place during their war had been encircled for three years. And cause it was a strange <laughs> one because it, the place was like, um, it was almost a bit like, uh, like a normal town. Like we would walk out the door here. It was a bit like that, but there was no roads. It was all just mud. And so uh, the place had been under siege for three years and it was a terrible situation. And so, and the, the wounds still hadn't sealed, seized, sealed up at that time. No. And then what with the whole 7-7 seven, seven thing, sure. it had opened it all up again. Yeah. And, um, but anyway, it all calmed down and it was all fine. And then, you know, then he started to show me all the scars on his legs and uh, where he'd been shot and all this sort of stuff. And it all calmed down and then everyone dispersed. And it was just the barman, this guy, and the journalist and me chatting. And then the door swung open and there's a guy in the doorway goes, Bin Laden! <laughs> like that's poison. And the, and the guy behind me goes, no, no, he's all right. He's all right, like this sort of thing. You know, he's kind Fuck. of like Serbian. He's saying, no, it's fine. Because <laughs> this guy's like, oh no, man mountain, you know. Jeez, so, <laughs> man. Do you have a shave that night? <laughs> well, I thought I was going to get shaved with a bayonet, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah shaved with I mean, a bayonet. I might be making this up, but you know, that's, that's what it, either yeah. they either said or... It felt like they were going to do. So, um, hell, mate. 
you know, that's Mr. Time. But anyway, that's as a, a, as a you know, starting with photography. Um, did you ever think you'd wind up in that sort of situation? <laughs> you know, well, but it happens. I wouldn't say that, that doesn't happen no. every day. But the point is, like, um, on Tuesday, I'm going to go and hang out with some monks, mm. a silent order of monks. So for the whole day, on Tuesday, I'm going to be underground with a silent order of monks. Mm. That's quite unusual. Have your phone turned off, mate. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Welcome back to the end of part one. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Stu was um, average. Chris was off par. Um, but Dean was outstanding. Well done, Dean. Um, it's my understanding, just sitting watching you go about your business in your house, that you were a regular contributor to Mixmag. Um, you shot some covers and features. And I believe you travelled to Iceland with dance duo Propellerheads, for example, um, and also spent some length of time covering club sessions in Ibiza. So it's really interesting what you can find out from somebody just by looking at them through their front window. Um, anyway, this is the end of part one. Part two will be out soon. I sincerely hope that you tune in to enjoy that because Dean's great. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.